I want to speak to you today about prosperity and success. This is something I've been studying for quite some time, and it's something I've been praying over for a number of weeks. And I, I have really been encouraged in my spirit through the Word of God to come to a clearer understanding of what I believe God's will and plan and purpose for each one of us is. And before we go any further, let's pray once again that the Holy Spirit will help us. Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into truth. I don't want this just to be another message. I want the Word of God to really impact the very vision of our life, the, the very goal and orientation of our life, that if somehow we're missing the mark if somehow we, we've gotten off track that God would give us a clear vision of his plan for our lives. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. We surrender, we yield to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Lead us and guide us into all truth this morning, O oh Father. I pray, O oh God, that my words and my thoughts and my ideas would be replaced with yours now, Holy Spirit. Minister to us, take us into the Word, and enlighten us, inspire us, release gifts and talents and creativity in our lives so that we may truly experience what your Word calls prosperity and success. Bless each one here. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory in advance in Jesus' name. Now, I want to look at a few scriptures before we even attempt to define these words. And that's very important, because you may have a preconceived notion already about what it means to prosper or what it means to be a success. But we want to try to gain as much information as we can, especially from the scriptures, to get a clear understanding, what does a prosperous person look like? What does a successful person do? And how am I to come to that place where God can prosper me? God can say, Wayne, you are a success. To begin, I want to take you to a scripture that's very well known, very important scripture found in Jeremiah 29. You can read it out loud with me as I read. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. How many here understand that God is a God of plans? Put it up high. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God isn't just some whimsical power freak out in the cosmos somewhere that just decides, well, I'm going to kill him and I'm going to bless him and I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing today. No, God has plans. 
He's a wise God. He's a God that has thought things through from before the beginning of time. And from everlasting to everlasting, the Bible tells us God has eternal plans. He has an eternal purpose. And here, God is speaking to the children of Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. And this was not a good time in their history. They were going into captivity. They were being punished by God. Seventy years in captivity because of repeated rebellion, sin, and backsliding. And even as God is about to literally spank them and put them in the corner for a time out, he says, by the way, I want you to know, even though I'm going to discipline you now, I have plans for you. Plans to what? Harm you? Is that what it says? No. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. You know what the devil wants us to believe? That God is a mean God. And he's out to ruin our lives. And if we really surrender to him and yield to him, he's going to mess our life up. And that's how the devil tricks us into taking matters into our own hands, trying to be the pilot of our own plane, and we always crash it. Hello? I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you. Say that with me. Plans to prosper you. God has plans to prosper you. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind, but when I think of the word plan, I'm sure Doc can relate to this. He's a teacher. He has to draw up lesson plans. Do you do those in like three seconds? They take time, right? You've got to sit down, think through what you want your students to learn, map it all out, draw it all out. It takes time to put together a plan. God has invested a lot of time into his plan for your life and for mine. And no two in this room are the same. How incredible. God has a specific plan for each one of us. Okay, so that's good. He's got plans to prosper me, not to harm me. Okay, let's close in prayer and we can all go home. Let's wait and let God do whatever he wants to do, right? No, that's not where it ends. Then... Very important word there in verse 12. Then you will do something. Because God has these plans for us, our response is, then you will call upon me and come to me and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So these plans that God has to give us success, to prosper us, to give us a a hope and a future. How many of you like to have a hope? How many of you would really like to have a clear understanding that you have a future? You know, it's very tragic, but there are many, many human beings living on the face of planet earth today. When they wake up in the morning, they have no hope. They have no future. It's just another day for them. And they're not even sure if they're going to make it until the end of the day. Maybe they're living in poverty. Maybe they're living in war. Who knows? But there are many, many people in the world today that don't have a hope and a future. God does not want anyone to live like that. God wants us to wake up in the morning saying, I've got a hope. I've got a future. I've got 
something that I'm moving toward in my life because God has planned it and mapped it out for me. Okay? How many of you like to be a failure? Now, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but I'll go ahead and try. How many of you at some point in your life have experienced failure? My hand's way up. How did it feel? Boy, it felt good. No, it doesn't feel good. And the reason it doesn't feel good, God never intended for us to be failures. His desire for his children, just like a father or a mother's desire for their own kids, is to be a success. We don't want to see our kids fail. We don't want to think that 30 years from now, my sons and my daughters are all going to be living in poverty and ignorance and they they don't know what they're doing with their lives. No parent wants that for their children. Neither does our Heavenly Father. I know the plans I have for you. I like the Spanish. It says, yo sé muy bien. I know real well the plans that I have for you. God knows real well what he's doing in your life and in mine. And the very first thing he says, plans to prosper you. God's plan is to prosper us. That is very clear throughout the scriptures. All right, let's go to a New Testament scripture found in 3 John. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Wow, what a beautiful prayer to come from the Apostle John for those people that he was writing to. I wish, I pray, I desire that you may prosper in every way. How many here want to prosper in every way? I do. But we're going to come back to this later on because there's a connection between physical, material prosperity and spiritual or soul prosperity. Notice the connection. I want you to prosper in every way, both in your body and even as your soul also prospers. You can't prosper financially, you can't prosper materially, and your spiritual life is a wreck. I'm going to let that sink in. You can't prosper materially, financially, in the physical realm if your spiritual life is a wreck. God wants us to be healthy in our soul, healthy in our spirit, and healthy in our bodies, and then his desire is that we can prosper in every way. Very key passages of Scripture in Joshua 1, verses 7 and 8. Notice what the Lord speaks to this young leader of Israel. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be a failure. What's say? That you may be successful wherever you go. I like that. I've had my share of failures in life. And I'll tell you, I don't want to have as the goal for the next 20 or 30 years of my life, I'm planning on living to be 100, by the way, if Jesus tarries. I don't want my goal to be 30, 40 more years of failures, 
breakings, crushings, disappointments, setbacks. Do you hear me? I don't think God wants me to live like that. I'm going to explain in a moment. I am not a prosperity preacher. Do you hear me? There are some that every Sunday, this is all they hear. Prosperity, prosperity, prosperity. God wants you to be rich. He's going to give you a BMW. He's going to double your income this year. I am not one of those guys. But I believe in prosperity. But I also see in the scriptures, there's a time to suffer. There's a time to do without. We don't want this to be a one-dimensional message, but we also don't want to ignore many, many scriptures in the Bible that speak about prosperity and success. Now, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, very important word, then you will be prosperous and successful. Two different words. Prosperous and successful. Now, what we need to do is look both to the scriptures and even to the dictionaries to try to get a clear understanding of what these two words mean. What does it really mean to be prosperous? What was God intending when he spoke that to Joshua? And what does it really mean to be successful? You probably already have images in your mind that you've gotten from TV, from movies, from school, from you know everyday conversations of what a prosperous or a successful person is or looks like. They may or may not be accurate. The Apostle Paul, in his ministry, he preached prosperity. He also preached privation. <laughs> he preached having a lot, and he preached having nothing. And in the book of Acts, I think we have the scripture here, this is what Paul was able to boldly say to the pastors and leaders in Ephesus when he was about to depart from there. This was his last visit to Ephesus when he gathered all the pastors together and he told them this, I did not shrink from telling you anything that was for your benefit, for I never shrank or kept back or fell short from declaring to you the whole purpose and plan and counsel of God. You see, if all I do, week in, week out, is stand up here and say, God wants to bless you, God wants to make you rich, God wants you to have prosperity, I'm not able to tell you the whole purpose and plan and counsel of God. Because there are many, many scriptures that I'm going to have to skip over if I'm going to do that. But you know, it also says in the world you will have tribulation. There will be trouble. There will be persecutions. All that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You have a whole mountain of scriptures that you have to ignore and even pretend they're not in the Bible. I think I told you down in the Smithsonian somewhere, they have the original Bible that belonged to Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was an interesting guy. He was kind of a Christian, but he kind of had his own brand of Christianity. And what makes this Bible interesting is anytime Thomas Jefferson would come to a portion of Scripture that he didn't like, he had a sharp little pen knife and he would cut it out. <laughs> so 
2 Timothy 3.12, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Let's pull that one out. Let's leave only the blessing scriptures, the prosperity scriptures. But what you end up with is an incomplete picture. And they actually have that Bible with all these little holes in the pages where he's cut out the passages that he didn't like. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of passages in here I don't like. But I don't cut them out. I realize they're in there for a reason, and I need to allow them to work in my life because it's important for me to achieve success and ultimate prosperity. So part of the whole purpose and plan and counsel of God, I believe, is this truth about prosperity. And so we're going to address that today. Maybe next week we'll talk about suffering. We'll talk about fasting. We'll talk about giving everything away. I don't know, but this is an important truth, and we want to really ask the Lord to give us a clearer understanding. This was Paul's message. This was Paul's experience. Notice he he has both sides in this one scripture. I know how to be abased and live humbly in straightened circumstances, and I know also how to enjoy plenty. And live in abundance. I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well fed or going hungry. He had both of those experiences having sufficiency and enough to spare, and going without and being in want. And of course, the next verse is where he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, ultimately, God wants to be so important in our life that whether we're prospering or whether we're going through a time of testing and trial, it matters not. Christ is there to strengthen me. What is success? How would you define it? Anyone? Okay. Whatever you do, it prospers. Good. What else? That's an important word. Achievement. We're going to see that in the definition here in a moment. It involves achieving something. Anyone else? What's failure? You didn't reach the goal, did you? You, you didn't measure up. You, you didn't achieve. You, you didn't get to where you were supposed to get. And all of those are, are part of the meaning of this word. The word success comes from the Latin successus, which means an outcome. So it has to do with the end result, the outcome of what you do. If you take on a project and the whole thing falls to pieces, it was a failure. If you take on a project and the outcome is good, then we would call that a success. It's the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. That's important because biblically we're going to see true success cannot be divorced from the will and plan and purpose of God. So it's the fulfillment of that purpose that brings ultimate success. It's the achievement, there's that word, of something desired, planned, or attempted. And a popular understanding of the word is success means attainment of wealth, fame, popularity, or profit. So some key words here, I think. uh, Outcome, accomplishment, achievement, and attainment are all included in that definition of success. What is prosperity? 
These are closely related, but we're going to find they're two totally different concepts, biblically. What do you think of when you think of prosperity? Come on, come on, what do you think about? Money, thank you. It's defined as a successful, flourishing, or thriving condition, especially in financial respects. Good fortune. It's also a state of being well-to-do or well-off. Now, let's go back to Joshua and look at these two words, prosperous and successful. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I know how to use the computer. The word that's translated prosperous there is this word selak, which means, very interestingly, the root meaning of the word is to push forward. You can kind of see that idea of advancement, achievement, going forward, making progress. It literally means to push forward or to break out. And some secondary meanings would be to be profitable, to prosper, or to be made prosperous. Now, the other word, successful, is very interesting. It's quite different from our definitions on that previous page of success. When God told Joshua, you're going to be successful, here's what he really had in mind. The Hebrew word means to be circumspect, intelligent, expert, prosper, deal prudently, to be skillful, to have good success, understanding, and wisdom, to behave wisely or wittingly. Now, do you notice something in that whole long list of words? A lot of them have something in common. What do you notice? It's all up here. It's not necessarily an A on your test or your report card, although certainly you want to look for that. It's not necessarily that you got a $20,000 promotion at work, but it seems to suggest that real success is in you. It's, it's a mindset. It's an attitude. It's a set of skills that you possess and that you have honed and perfected to a place where when other people look at you, they see skill. They see expertise. They see wisdom. They see knowledge. They see, wow, this guy really knows what he's doing or this guy really knows what he's talking about. Notice all the words. To be circumspect, intelligent, to be expert, to be prudent, to be skillful, to have understanding, to have wisdom, to behave wisely and wittingly. Those have nothing to do with, with tangible items in your hand. It's all in you. And as I've been praying over this, what the Holy Spirit has been ministering to me is we must first have that mindset that because I'm in the will of God, God has fully equipped me, hear me now, fully equipped me with every gift, every talent, every skill I need to fulfill His will. God will never call you to do something that He's not going to equip you to do. If God wants you to be President of the United States, He'll equip you for that. If God wants you to be the best surgeon in the world, He'll equip you with that mind and that skill in your hands. So, it has to do with 
the calling of God, the will of God in our life, and His equipping us with the skills to do that. And remember, this is what God told Joshua. If you do a few things, and we're going to go back and talk about those few things that he was told to do. If you do them, you will be both prosperous, pushing forward, advancing, achieving, and successful. You'll be skilled in what you're doing. You'll be expert in your calling. You will have wisdom. You'll be prudent in all the decisions and all the things you have to say and do. You will be, in other words, fully equipped to carry out the plan of God, the will of God in your life. Now let's go to the New Testament word that we looked at a minute ago in 3 John, where it said, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's the Greek word here, euodoo, I guess it's pronounced. And it's an interesting word. It's only found three times in the New Testament. It means to help on the road. Interesting. To help on the road. To succeed in reaching some destination. It can also be used to refer to succeeding in business affairs or to have a prosperous journey. Look at the two other places in the New Testament where it's used. In Romans 1.10, it's translated prosperous, but it's in reference to a journey. Remember, it means to help on the road, to help you get where you're going. How many of you want some help to get where you're going? <laughs> well, that's what the apostle was praying. I'm praying for that help for you, that you may get that extra push to get where you need to go. You know, if you study successful people in the world, whether we're talking about athletes, businessmen, politicians, or you can fill in the blank, one thing you'll notice as you study their lives, there seems to be a supernatural element to how they got where they are. I mean, everybody's not going to be a Bill Gates or a Steve Jobs, the CEO of Apple. These, these men even though they may not have acknowledged the Lord in their life, they were given a gift by God, and God helped them to arrive at the place where they were to fulfill his purpose. Most of you probably have one of those stupid phones. They're called smartphones, but I call them stupid phones. <laughs> and you can thank Steve Jobs and Apple for all of that. So, you know, many people have been blessed because of that one man's vision and creativity, but not everybody's going to be like that. It's, there's something supernatural that you can't put your finger on that explains the success in all of these people's lives. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't have to study, work hard, apply themselves, and do all kinds of things to get there. But there was always something pushing them, carrying them along, and that's what this word communicates, to help on the road to get you where you're going. The word is also found in 1 Corinthians 16, and there it refers to finances. It's talking about taking collections in the churches, and they were to gather up the money that the people wanted to give as God had prospered them. A very direct reference to financial prosperity. So, this word 
can both refer to help on a journey, help to get somewhere to reach a goal or a destination, as well as the more common usage of the word financial blessing, financial prosperity. Let's put all these things together. The definitions that we got from the dictionaries and these two or three words in the Hebrew and the Greek from the Bible and try to put together a composite definition. What are we really talking about here today when we are saying God wants to prosper you? God wants everyone in this room to be successful. Here's what I came up with. To advance or make forward progress with intelligence, with expertness, with skill, with wisdom, and with understanding. To achieve one's goal or destination, and this is the key, by fulfilling the plan, purpose, and will of God. And to prosper in every way and be profitable. I cannot emphasize enough that true biblical prosperity, true biblical success cannot be achieved apart from the will of God. That's why I know Pastor Quasey and I both sound like broken records up here week in, week out. The same old message. Surrender to God. Let God have His way. Seek God. Let God have His will in your life. It's really simple. It's not rocket science. And the degree to which we are willing to lay down our plans and our ambitions and our ideas and embrace His, that's the degree to which we will find true success and true prosperity in life. It doesn't just mean having a whole lot of money. I know people that have a lot of money and they are miserable. They are not successful. They are not what I would call prospering in life and they are not what I would call successful. They have a lot of money, that's all. I also know people that are very poor, but they're successful. They're skilled. They're experts in what they are doing. And you can see the favor and the blessing and the richness of God upon their life. It comes back to what we read in Jeremiah 29. God has plans for me. I better find out what they are. Is that right? I'm not, those of you that know me, I'm not the kind of preacher that likes to give, you know, four or five keys to success. I mean, that seems to be a little bit simplistic, but I'm going to do that today. (laughs) I'm going to give you four keys from the scriptures, not complicated. We've already read a couple of them. You can probably guess what they are. And again, this is not rocket science. It's just the question of, am I willing to do it? God's way. But I'm going to give you four keys to true prosperity. This kind of prosperity. Let's read it again. To advance, to make forward progress with intelligence, with expertness, skill, wisdom, and understanding. To achieve one's goal or destination by fulfilling the plan, purpose, and will of God. To prosper in every way and be profitable. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is found in Proverbs. You've heard me preach on it before. It's a question. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. It doesn't say what he's skilled in. 
It just says, whatever he does, he's skilled at it. And I will make a bold statement today for everyone in this room. God wants you to be skilled in what you do. I'll go a step further. I think God wants you to be the best in what you do. I got one amen. Let me try that one again. God wants you to be the best teacher, the best in what you do. A few more amens. Is, is God short on skills? Is he short on gifts? Is he short on talents and abilities? No, I believe he wants us to be the best in whatever it is that he's called us to do. Now, that requires work on our part, too. We can't just be lazy and sit back and say, Oh, God called me. I'll just let him do whatever he wants to do with my life. No, you need to study. You need to fast. You need to pray. You need to work. You need to practice. You need to do whatever it is that you do so that you can be the best. You know, I was so impressed a few years ago when I was down in El Salvador for a church convention... And there was a worship team that had come from one of the churches in Puerto Rico that I knew. And one of the members of that worship team was a trumpet player. And he's actually the, known to be the best trumpet player in all of Puerto Rico. And one day, some of you may remember I showed the pictures of this. One day we decided to climb this volcano there. I almost killed myself. I was the oldest one in the group, but I made it to the top by the grace of God. But we were all, you know, getting together. I think there was about eight or ten of us that decided in between the morning and the evening service we were going to climb this volcano. So we were all there in the dining hall finishing up our lunch, getting ready to go on this mountain climb. And this trumpet player walked in. And I said, hey, Julito, are you coming with us to climb the volcano? He says, no, i got to practice. Man, that impacted me. This guy can play trumpet like you've never heard in your life. He could easily say, I don't need to practice today. I'm going to go climb the mountain and I'll be good by evening. You know what the Lord spoke to me? You know why he's the best in Puerto Rico? Because while you're climbing mountains and goofing off, He's in his room practicing. Oh, boy. No wonder I'm not the best guitar player in the U.S. (laughs) Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. You want to get promoted at your job? Be skilled. Improve your skills. Get better at whatever you do. Pray for God to increase your abilities. Go back to school if you have to. Practice more. Whatever it is that you do, be the best. And I don't think even in this down economy, there'll be a problem with you being promoted. I love to watch anybody that's skilled at what they do. I don't care what it is. I like to watch a carpenter. I like to watch a car mechanic. I like to watch a preacher. I like to watch anybody when they're skilled at what they're doing. It it captures my attention. So don't say, well, pastor, you know, all I do is work a cash register or drive a trash truck or something. No, no, that's the wrong attitude. If you know that God has placed you there, then do it with all of your heart and pray for God to make you skilled in what you do so you stand out above all the rest. Okay? Now, you ready for the keys? Could have guessed that one, right? Seek God. And his will. Could have guessed this one too. Meditate on and obey 
the Word of God. Keep God's presence in your life. Maybe I better leave out this last one. I'm not sure if you want it or not. Do you want it? Uh Uh-oh. Give generously as God prospers you. Okay? We're going to look at each one of these for just a few moments. Back to our first scripture. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But then there's a response if I want that prosperity in my life. If I want that plan to be revealed and fulfilled in my life, there's something I have to do. Then you will call upon me. That's why we pray on Fridays. That's why we have prayer sometimes on Saturdays. It's why we spend three weeks in January fasting and praying. It's why we spend a week in July fasting and praying.